Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Hallelujah. Oh, before we start, I just want to share a little testimony. Deborah, Deborah shared with me this morning. Uh, that she, she broke her foot. How long ago was it, Deborah? A month. A month ago, she broke her foot real bad. She was in Florida. And uh, you probably saw her last week or the week before. She came in with one of those little scooters. She couldn't walk on it. And she went to the doctor this past week, and uh, the doctor looked at it, and he said, this is unbelievable. He said, it ought, it ought to take, it's been three weeks, it's been three weeks since she broke her foot. He said, it ought to take eight weeks to get to this place. And, and he said, and you can walk on it, and in three weeks, you, you, you'll be, I mean, it's God, the doctor said, this is unbelievable. I, I love it when doctors get, get zapped by God. <laughs> They can't, they can't figure it out, but we know God. So, but here's what, sometimes, sometimes it's, not in, it's not an instantaneous thing with God, but he just gives you, but it's still a testimony because he does it supernaturally. Hallelujah. You know, there's a, there's a place in scripture where it says about the, um, the demon-possessed the demon-possessed somebody, and, and it's, they, began, they began to heal at that hour. You know, so God, anyway, God, praise God. We believe it. Thank you, Lord, for healing that foot in Jesus' name. Amen. You are the healer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we just bless you this morning. We love being your children. We love being your people. We love living our lives for you, Lord. Let us be the salt of the earth and the light, light to the world like you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen, hallelujah. Today I'm going to preach the most important message you'll ever hear. Not because I'm preaching it, because of what it is. But I'm, this is, to me, this is the most important message that anybody will ever hear. Because it determines where you're going to spend eternity. And you're all gonna, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. I want to talk to you about being born again, about the new birth. I know most of you here, I, I believe probably all of, us, all of us here are born again, but, I, but someone needs us because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach it. I feel like God's given it to me. I've been sitting on this for two or three weeks, just waiting, I feel, for the right time to, to bring it. And I just ask God to help me today to bring this word into somebody's life. It may change where you spend eternity in Jesus' name. Open your Bibles with me this morning to John's Gospel, chapter 3. Familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going to read it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. John, chapter 3, and verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs unless that you do unless God is with him. Jesus, 
Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. <coughs> if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The new birth. Unless a man is born again, Jesus said, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You know, when you mention a new birth or being born again, <clears throat> over the years, you, when you, you talk to somebody, you get some kind of, somebody have, people have strange opinions of what it is. Uh, some people, I've met, I've met several people who think it's like a denomination. You know, well, I go to the Catholic church or I go to the Methodist church and you go to the born again church. You know, it's, it's, it's like it's a, it's, a, it's a denomination. We just believe that we just, it's church. It's just no different than mine. Just a little, you're, 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 you get a little excited. You raise your hands, you clap. We don't do that. You do. So you're a little, but you're just basically a church like us. But the other, and the other thing I, I the other uh, opinion that I get a lot of times is, uh, how do I say this? People, I think a lot of times people look at those born again peoples as like a, we're like Hillary Clinton's deplorables. Yeah. You know, it's like they're people, they're, messed, they're kind of messed up people that needed God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm educated. Uh, I'm socially up in the strata somewhere. And I don't need God, but these people do. I mean, they're, 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 not, they're not basically criminal or anything, but they, they just don't have it quite as together as we do. And they need some help. They need a little moral structure in their life. And, you know, it's just kind of this condescending, patronizing, I guess maybe that's the same word, but this condescending attitude like, yeah, these are people that needed help, but we, but we don't. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're above that. But we want to, I want to address that because I think, I think this passage of Scripture just totally blows that out of the water if you, if you, if you read it with an open mind. First of all, we have to consider who, who is Jesus talking to? Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? He, he's not a down and outer. He's, he's, he's of the ruling class in Israel. He's, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's educated. He's a man of position. He's a man of status. He most likely has wealth. You know, and, and he's not a man that needs 
more morality in his life. He's the epitome of morality. He's a Pharisee. He's the epitome of morality. He's, he's, a, he's steeped in church and the ways of God and the things of God. You know? and, he comes to, and he comes to Jesus, uh, the son of a carpenter, a person with no credentials. You know, it says, remember, it says in the scripture in John chapter 7, it says, and they marveled. When, when they listened to Jesus teach, they marveled that he had not been educated. That doesn't mean he couldn't read or write, but it means he hasn't had religious education. He hasn't been, hasn't been to one of their seminaries, so to speak. And they, they, but he treats them respectfully. He calls them rabbi. You know, and, he, and I really, just from, the, from when I read this, it's like this, it makes me feel like he, he really does want an open conversation with him. He really wants to kind of uh, find out what he's, where he's coming from, you might say. So being born again, the new birth, doesn't, doesn't mean necessarily you're somebody that needs more morality or more structure or more religion in their life. Nicodemus was the opposite of that. And so the new birth really kind of... Um, refutes or challenges that, that idea that the people that are kind of low lives and need to just, their lives, they're not maybe total disaster, but they just need help, you know. Uh, Jesus tells this man, who's got all the religion in the world, you need to be born again. What he's basically saying is, all your religion doesn't count. All your good works don't count. All the things that you think you're doing right as a Pharisee, they don't count. Your religion doesn't count. You need to be born again. So one thing I think, one thing I think this passage of Scripture shows us is that uh, no matter how good you are, no matter where you are socially, financially, religiously, you must be born again. And it also means that no matter how broken you are, no matter how messed up you are, you can be born again. Because at one point he said, you, he addresses Nicodemus, he said, don't be amazed, I say, you must be born again. But in the previous verses he said, unless a man, unless anybody, a man means anyone, unless anyone's born again, anyone can be born again. It's for everyone on the planet. Everyone who wants to be spend eternity with God has to surrender to Jesus, has to give their life to the Lord, has to be born again. No one. It says in verse 3, no one can be born. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. There is no salvation, you know, without, without the new birth. So I would ask everyone here, and, I'm, and I just, I'm looking around, I, I guess everyone is born again. But maybe somebody's listening, I don't know. But are you born again? It's for, it's for, everybody needs to be. I don't care who you are. You know, years ago, remember when we went to Vermont? That one time, what was that, 35 years ago? Years and years, back in the 80s, I think. Some, we've, somebody had a, in Vermont, someone, some local ministry had some kind of a local Christian TV program, and I don't know how they found out about us. We were having church, the Capitol Theater in Rome, here in Rome, and I don't know how they found out about the fact that I had been in the Air Force. I guess they thought that was something that I used to fly airplanes, and they wanted me to come on their TV program and kind of give my testimony. And uh, never asked me to come back. I must have done really good. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lord. Oh, 
When the, when the program is, thank you, Jesus, it just takes me a while to, to run my... When the program is just about over, they're getting ready to close. And he started talking, and the Spirit of God just came all over me. And, uh, and I started saying, and I'm talking, to every, I'm talking to professionals. I started pointing to the, to the TV camera. I said, I'm talking to professionals today. You need to be, I don't care if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer. I don't care where you are socially, where you are financially. You might be the biggest big shot in your city. You need to be born again. I know you don't think you do because you think you're special because of what's happened, what you've accomplished on the earth, but you need to be born again. And it's the truth. You know, people reach a certain uh, place socially or financially or famously, you know, like all these Hollywood types. Yeah, you know, I, I almost, I know, it's, I, I'm not mad at them, but I want to I shake them. It's like you're such an idiot. Don't you understand you're going to stand before God one day? You can't just ignore God your whole life. One of these days you're going to step out of you're going to face God. I know you don't believe that, but it's a, I just want to shake that out of them. They need to be born again because they're going to suffer for all eternity in hell because their mind tells them that they don't need this. Everybody needs it in Jesus' name. You must, Jesus said, you must be born again. He said this is a, a, a religious, a religious, wealthy, high-status, socialite, a religious man named Nicodemus. He said, don't be amazed. I tell you, you must be born again. Hallelujah. And you can be in Jesus' name. Uh, and, I, and, and I just, I found out something when I was getting ready to, to do this message too, I found, I found out something that just really blessed me. The, the power of the new birth. The power of the, you know, in, in this passage, Jesus is talking about the, the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. And, and we understand that the kingdom of God is what? It's where God rules and reigns. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. But to Nicodemus, See, a lot, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we read it with, with a, a 21st century Western civilization mindset. This, this is 2,000 years ago. This is Jesus and Nicodemus in Israel 2,000 years ago. And the Jews back then, the Jews believed uh, that, that the kingdom of God was something in, in the future. It's something that's coming in the future. That the kingdom of God... Uh, The kingdom of God would come when, uh, when Messiah would come, when the resurrection of the dead took place, and when everything was made right. You remember, and they, they, to them it was in the future. You, you remember what the disciples asked Jesus just before he ascended? In Acts chapter 1, they said, Lord, is it, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is, is this when the, 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 new, the new earth is, is going to come? The restoration of the world, the kingdom of when the kingdom of God is going to come to earth. But to them, it was something in the it was something that wasn't here yet. It was coming in the future. You know, the, the Greeks in that day, the Greeks believed that history was uh, was cyclical, that things would would flourish and then they'd kind of crash and then they'd flourish again and they'd kind of crash, and they believed that. That there was going to be probably several uh, several times where the world was going to be made new, and then it was going to become corrupted like it was. Then it was going to be made new; it was going to come corrupted. Uh, and the term that they use for this 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 is what blessed me. The term that they use for this uh, regeneration of the world, you might say, it's like you know we see it we see it today. 
you see like a forest fire. A, fo a forest grows, you know, and the lightning strikes and it burns the forest down. And afterwards, it's just all black. But within a few months, it starts to grow up again. Within a few decades, you wouldn't even know there was a fire. I mean, it's all like brand new and it's growing until, and it does that for a long period of time until another bolt of lightning comes. And then it burns everything down and then it starts, you know, so that's, that's what they believe kind of was going to happen on the earth. And the term that they used for this is a long Greek word called palin, palingenesia. The palingenesia was, was when everything was made new. And in Matthew chapter 19, God help me to teach this. Thank you, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is, is talking about the, the rich young ruler. And uh, at the end of that, it says the, the, uh, the disciples were, uh, were saying, who, who can be saved? You know, then who can be saved? And Peter said to him, behold, we've, we've left everything and we followed you. What will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, that those who have followed me in the, re in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon the 12 thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. In the regeneration, Jesus said, yeah, there's going to be a regeneration at the end of time. And at that time, it'll be the end of all death, of all suffering, of all pain. It'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be all sin will be abolished, all evil. Nothing, nothing but peace, nothing but the glory of God, nothing but the presence of God, nothing but when the kingdom of God comes in the regeneration. And the word that he uses for that regeneration is what? Palingenesia. He's, so it's like, yeah, you're right. There is going to be a renewal, but it's not cyclical. It's going to happen once at the end of time. In the regeneration, when, when I make everything new, hallelujah, it's coming, praise God. But you know what you're going to find out? It's already coming you if you're born again. Because you know what? Listen, the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 3. Let me go there real quick. The Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 3 said he saved, verse 5, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, when, when, when that new life comes to you, washing of regeneration, when you regenerate it, what's the, what's the word he uses? Palingenesis. It's that same word, that, the same power that God's going to use to regenerate the whole earth and make everything new. That power comes into your life when you're born again. It means it makes, he makes everything new in your life, just like he's going to make the world everything new when, it, when he comes back. Hallelujah. That's, that's the power. That's what comes into your life. New. Everything, everything. That's what the, isn't that what the Bible says? You've been made a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You've been regenerated. Hallelujah. Everything is new. The past is gone. The sin is gone. All the past of your life. You've, you're a new person. Don't let, don't let the past eat you. Don't let the past hinder you. Just to start to walk in the newness of life that God has given you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, when I found that, it's like it's, a, it's the same power. The same power, I think, thank you, Jesus. The same power that's going to regenerate the whole world has come into my life. Hallelujah. And made me new. I tell you, I was a, I was a mess. Never mind how messed up I was, but I tell you, I was a mess, and God came and saved me. Thank you. That's why I get excited sometimes, because my salvation becomes more and more real to me the longer I live. Hallelujah. So I want to live a long time so that'll be real, real to me. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord. So, so don't, ever, don't ever underestimate the power of the new birth to change your life. I don't care how messed up you were. I don't care what a, what a mess your life was. When God comes, he makes you new. He, he erases the past and he starts over. Hallelujah. And yeah, you'll have, you'll have some issues that you have to kind of work through. God does a work in you. God starts a work in you. And we have to cooperate. We have to surrender. We have to give him our will. We have to let him do a work. And it's a struggle sometimes. But don't ever underestimate the power of the new birth in a life to change it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So what is it? What is a new birth? It's, it's divine life coming into you. 1 John chapter First John chapter 5. <clears throat> I, I love, I, whenever I get a chance to witness to Catholic people, I always take them to 1 John chapter 5. I say, get your Bible. I, I, I say to Catholic people, you get a Bible? Yeah, we got it. It's the St. Joseph's. You know, the, the St. Joseph's Bible is the Catholic Bible. I said, well, get your Bible. And someone says, well, I just got this great big one. I said, well, get the great big one. We'll just read the words. We'll read big words instead of small words. And I say, look, <clears throat> look, look what it says in 1 John. And it says, it says this in the Catholic Bible, just like it says it in the Protestant Bible. It says, verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, verse 11, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. So the eternal life that we get is the life that was in Jesus. God has given us this life and this life was in his son. And then he says this, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. To me, that is just plain and simple, black and white. Do you have the son? Yes or no. If you have the son, you have the life. If you don't have the son, you don't have the life. But then listen, he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know it. You know, not just hope for it, not just... Yeah, it's something out there. No, God wants you to know it. And you can have that life in you. You can have that same life that was in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, oh, first or 2nd? What did I write that down? Oh, thank you, Lord. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. The same, the same life, not something different, not kind of, kind of, it's the same life that was in Jesus comes into us when we're born again. When we surrender to God. His life, eternal life, comes in. It doesn't mean you're going to live forever. It means you're going to live with him forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's the new birth. And, and what does it do? Uh, well, Jesus, no, I lost. Jesus talks about the new birth uh, being, being like a natural birth. So you need to be born of water and of the spirit. And he likens that to a natural birth. And what happens to a baby when it's born? I was thinking about that. It comes out of darkness into the light. Hallelujah. And and it begins to see things that it couldn't see before. It, and I know babies can hear in the womb, but it begins to hear, begins to perceive a whole new world. It comes into a whole new world. It has new, new perception, 
new, new things come to it. It begins to learn all these new things. That's what the, and that's what happens to us. He likens it to a birth. And when, when, when we're born again, we're born and the lights come on. Do you, you ever talk to somebody who's born again and they say, say things like, uh, I can see things that I, uh, spiritually, that I never saw. The word, I tell, when, I, when I got born again, I had this tremendous hunger for the word of God. And I was thinking of that scripture in Peter that says, long for the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, just like a baby longs for the mother's milk. Uh, you know, I, the milk of the word was feeding me. But I tell I was so hungry for it. You know, it's like the word makes sense. The word, the word, the word doesn't, People, people read the Bible, they're not born again. It's like they struggle with it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But when, you're, when you become alive spiritually, the word becomes alive. You know, it begins to feed you. You begin to, oh, I never saw that before. Yeah, why, 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 was that in the Bible before? Yeah, it was. I just never saw it. Now I do. Hallelujah. So you, you, come, in, you come into a, a new awareness, a new spiritual life comes in you. <clears throat> and the Bible says in Psalm 68 that God sets the solitary in families. You come into, a fa- you come into the family of God. You come into a communion with other saints of God. You know, so you, you begin to have a, a new identity. You, that you are, you're a child of God. That you're a child of the King. Where we cry out, Abba, Father. God is my Father. And I, and I thank him. But you come into the family of God. And everything is made new. I tell you, the new birth is wonderful. And God wants us to have it. And God gives it to us. And we can have it. Hallelujah. So how does it happen? How are you born again? How do you get it? Well, I'll just look at two words. Repent and believe. You know, a lot of times when people give an altar call, they say, just come to Jesus, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Well, I don't think that's, I, I'm not saying they're wrong, but every time, every time you see uh, John the Baptist preaching, Jesus preaching, Paul preaching, Peter preaching, what's the first thing they say? Repent. You've got to repent first. You've got to turn. Now, the word repent means to turn. And in the New Testament, it always means to turn from sin and to turn from God. But, but there's, there's an aspect, and it does, the, the word repent doesn't literally mean this. But I just feel that there's an aspect of repentance that, that, uh, that's, that grieves, that it, there's, a, there's a sorrow in it. You know, the, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. There's a God, so I, part of repentance is, 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 God, is saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for my sinful life. I'm sorry, for, and I am turning, but I'm sorry, for, and I'm sorry for trying to live without you. I'm sorry for thinking that I could be good enough to earn your favor without, you, without going to the cross, without acknowledging your sacrifice. I repent, Lord. I'm sorry for for this life that I've lived apart from you, that I haven't surrendered to you. I'm sorry. And I turn from that, but I give myself to you. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is is a sorrow. And it says that that in Hebrews chapter 6, when it talks about, in Hebrews chapter 6, where it talks about the fundamental teaching of the doctrines of Christ, the first thing it says is repent. The first fundamental truth is repentance from dead works. Not just plain repentance, but it's repentance from, de- from, re- from the works that we thought we were going to do. All the good things, all the things we did that, thought us, that we thought made us right with God. That, you know, I go to church and I'm a good person. I'm faithful to my wife. I do, I, so I'm a good person. No, you're not a good person. 
In, in Isaiah, it says, all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. It doesn't say all your sinful deeds. It says all your righteous deeds, all the good things that you've done are like filthy rags in the eyes of and they st They're a stench in the nostrils of God. We, one of the hardest things for people, to, we have to admit that we are spiritually, uh, that we are a spiritual mess without God. What's that word I wrote in my notes? Uh, thank you, Jesus. I'll find it. But we have to just, uh, give me just a second here. Well, I'll find it later. Oh, bankrupt. That's the word I want. Uh, we have to admit to you that without God, you're spiritually bankrupt. And we need him. And that's the hardest thing for people because a lot of people think they're good. They see themselves as good. But God sees us different. So we need to repent. And we need to believe. Believe in the sacrifice that his, what Jesus did on the cross is totally sufficient for you and I to be born again. His sacrifice. Believe it. Surrender to him as Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, as I was... I was listening to some different videos as I was preparing, and I was watching this one Baptist preacher talk about Charles Spurgeon. You ever hear of Charles Spurgeon? He was he was a uh, he lived in the late late 1800s. He was he was in England, and he's probably one of the one of the most, if not the most, famous preacher in his day. You know, he only lived to be 57 years old. Died of Bright's disease. Anyway, he was a tremendous. But his testimony when he was a, when he was a teenager, he was. Uh, he, he, God was getting on his life and he was, he was, he wanted, he wanted to be close to God, but he was struggling. It's like he, he couldn't, he couldn't get the peace that he, he was really born again. He kept struggling. He, he was trying to find God, trying to find God, trying to find God. One Sunday morning, his testimony says, one Sunday morning he got up, he was going to go to church, uh, but there was a tremendous snowstorm in London and he, he couldn't get to church. He only, there was a little Methodist church just a very short way from where he lived. So he went to that little Methodist church that Sunday morning. And it just so happened the pastor didn't even make it to church because the snow was so deep. And anyway, but there was a lay preacher. There was a lay preacher in the pulpit. And, uh, and, he, and he had a message. And he said there was only a, only a handful of people made it to church that Sunday morning. And uh, the lay preacher read a scripture out of Isaiah 45 and verse 22. And all he did was read it and then just kind of exhort a little bit. And the scripture is this. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. And he just began to just kind of basically explain it. He said, you don't have to do anything to look. You, you can be rich, you can be poor, male, female, young or old. You know, it doesn't matter. You, you just look. Don't look to yourselves. There's no hope there. And uh, just look to Jesus. And then he began, the, the preacher, this lay preacher, began to speak as if he was Jesus. And he said, look at me. My, I'm sweat, my sweat is like great drops of blood. Look to me, I'm hanging on the cross. Look to me, I died and was buried. Look to me, I'm resurrected and ascended. And then he looked out and he saw Spurgeon, this teenage kid, and he pointed to him and he said, young man, you look miserable. And you're going to be miserable your whole life and in death if you don't obey my text. I thought, glory to God, God bless that guy. And Spurgeon said, when he said that, the light went on, boom. 
And he saw, he, he saw that he was looking for somebody to tell him what he had to do, good works, what good works he had to perform to be saved. And he realized that he'd been looking to himself and all he had to do was look to Jesus. And he got saved that day in that little Methodist church. We say we, we need to repent and believe. We need to repent for trying to save ourselves. Repent for our sinful deeds. Repent for trying to be good enough. Admit we're spiritually bankrupt. And believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's all him and not us. It's not him and us. It's all him. And I heard, and I heard another preacher say, it's, it's, it's all, all grace, all, all faith, and all Jesus. None of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So that's, that's how you're born again. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you'll be born again. Now, what's the evidence? The evidence is a changed life. That's the standard answer. By faith we're saved, but God doesn't leave us alone. He begins a work in us, and we begin to change us. And I've often wondered, I don't, know, I don't know people's hearts. I really don't. And I don't mean to judge, but sometimes when someone says they're born again and you see no evidence over time, no evidence of a change, it makes me really wonder. When new life comes in, a change should eventually take place. And that's the evidence that we... Not that, and that's not by us, but it's by the Spirit of God. You know, <clears throat> in John chapter 19, we see Nicodemus again. Nicodemus appears again in the scripture in John, and he and Joseph of Ar- Ar- Arimathea come to Pilate and ask him for the body of Jesus, and they dress it for burial. Now, that doesn't prove that Nicodemus was born again. But it shows that he was a follower. He was following Jesus. I like to believe that Nicodemus made it to heaven. That he was a You know, it was a dangerous thing back then. There's two places in John's gospel where it says if anybody believed in Jesus, if anybody followed Jesus, he'd be put out. He, there was, they, were, they were afraid to confess him because they'd be put out of the synagogue. And that was, a, that was almost like a death sentence back then, to be put out of the synagogue. But Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were followers of Jesus and dressed his body and buried him. And so I'd like to believe that he ended up knowing God. Thank you, Lord. You know, it can be a scary thing to be a follower of Jesus. It can be a scary thing to give up control of your life totally and follow him, not knowing where it'll take you, not knowing where it'll cost, but knowing, but I'll tell you, the greatest adventure you can ever undertake. And the reward is eternal. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. So I just want to speak to people that might be watching. If you've never surrendered your life to God, Do it today. Don't wait. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sinful life. I repent of thinking I'm good enough to make it to heaven without you. I acknowledge that you and your sacrifice alone is what I need. I surrender to you. I acknowledge that you are the Lord of my life. I ask you to come into my heart and make me new. I surrender to you today. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, how can we thank you? How can we thank you, Lord? Jesus, how can we thank you for what you've done for us? You came and lived on this earth as a human being, bore my sin, died on the cross for me, that I might have eternal life and spend eternity with you. Can't thank you enough. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.